We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those long dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Welcome to the Making Queer History Podcast. I'm Laura. And I am Will. Today we're going to be talking about... Bjornstan and Bjornsson. Yes. The article that was written about it, Will wrote it. I did. And this is this is my boy. This is your boy. This is the only work that Will has ever written for the site. It is. So clearly this is an exciting person. I, I love a lot. Yeah? I love him a lot. He's, he's my historical fave. Yeah. There's a little bit of a problematic one. Yeah, but most historical faves are problematic. That's fair. Well, all historical faves are problematic. Yeah, yeah, yes. And luckily enough, later in the episode, we're going to talk about him talking to my historical problematic fave. Which is ex- which is really exciting. Magnus Hirschfeld. Yeah, so our, our historical faves have actually interacted in like, the same period of time. I'm just going to take this as a complete proof that me and you are meant to be. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, that's even, even our historical faves meet. Anyways, so first, let's talk about the project. We, this is Making Queer History. For all those who don't know already, we're a project that delves into the history of the queer community, specifically generally looking at people or events. Um, some of the great people we've looked at is Magnus Hirschfeld, Bjorn Bjornsson. Um, last week, we lo- or last month, we looked at Oshtish in the podcast, and we've looked at some really cool people. This is just a podcast. We also have a series of articles where I'm the head writer and I also have an amazing new editor, Dean Strauss, who has their own project going on uh, called Queering Up History, where they draw portraits of queer figures throughout history, including some of the people that we talk on our on our project. You should definitely go check Dean work out because they're doing mm-hmm. a great job. They are. And if you want to look at our project and see what we've done, you can obviously find us on iTunes, Podbean, a couple other different podcast listening sites. As we're for, also yeah. As for all of our other content, you can find us on Tumblr. Yep, we're on Tumblr at makingqueerhistory.tumblr.com. We're on Patreon at patreon.com/queerhistory. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Redbubble, and we also have our very own website at makingqueerhistory.com where you can find all our articles all our podcasts also some really cool things that we've just started up one of those things is right now tumblr specific but i think next month we're going to expand it to instagram as well exciting but we have an art contest every month now yeah we have people who tag art with making queer history art contest and we look through them and at the end of the month we pick the best one, we put it on our website, and we give them money, which is a pretty cool thing. So if you have any artists in the audience, this includes all different mediums of art. As long as we can get some viewing of it or some reading of it, we're good. All different forms of art. But if you're an artist, that's something really cool to check out. And even if you don't want to make art specifically for the contest, we encourage people to just have art that already is lying around and just throw it on the tag. We can show it to our followers on social media because we have some amazingly talented people in our audience, as we have discovered. And even if you don't want to get into the contest, I think, you can also post your stuff 
under the tag Queer Works Fridays. Which is on Fridays. This is when we usually reblog the stuff and repost the stuff on different social medias. So just go wild, post things, show us your interest and show us your art and show us you. Exactly. We've reblogged selfies, donation posts, um, discussions, anything that you want to throw in there. We'll check it out. Unless it involves nudity or gore or some form of discrimination, then we might not. You're allowed to talk about discrimination, but you're not allowed to discriminate. There we go. That's more specific. Yeah, throw things into the tag and we will revlog it. And we're always excited to see content from you. Speaking of which, we also have an email. We do! You should definitely email at us at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. There we go. You can email corrections, um, questions... Pretty much anything. Comments. We all, comments. Concerns. We're, def- <laughs> we're definitely interested in your comments and concerns. And anything that you want to tell us, we are more than ready to hear. Always. Like, throw out us some constructive criticism and we always want to try our best to improve. Exactly. You can also become a guest author yeah. at our website. You can look on our website. You can find directions on what it takes to become a guest author And, you know, that kind of stuff. But mainly just we're looking mostly right now for non-American content. You can be an American, but we're not really looking for anyone to write about America because we feel like that topic has been well covered. It definitely has. And while it's exciting a story, we do want to broaden people's perspectives. Mm -hmm. And we do encourage you to look at queer people and queer events outside of America. Exactly. So... As we delve outside of America, today we're looking at Will's home country. Will's home country in Norway. Yeah. Fun fact about this dude. His name literally means bear star, bear sun. And if that's not the most badass name, then I don't know. Like That's pretty cool. That's quite a legacy to have just to carry that name on your shoulders. No one To bear it on your shoulders? Oh, I'm going to make a lot of bear puns now that I know this information. So definitely email us if you can't bear it any longer. Or just email us your jokes. Yes. Just email us puns and we will laugh. Another thing that I... Okay, more things. Just remember to do before we move on. So, info. If you become a Patreon or a patron at our Patreon, you also get some really cool rewards that exist. And among those rewards is getting a shout out on the podcast, which we are about to give two different people today. Rachel, who has been with us for a very long time and I dearly love. Thank you for being our patron and thank you for supporting us. Bless Rachel. And also bless Stephanie. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Yes, we very much appreciate your support. And if anyone else wants to be shouted out on the podcast, please give us a donation. It's anyone $15 or above. Yep, $15 or above who gets a shout out. You also get a tote bag um, and a notebook if you are $25 and just a tote bag if you are $15 or above. Uh, if you want to, you can also send a message and be like, just don't give me a shout out on the podcast. Just give me a shout out and I will just shout your name at my window. They will. Yes. They will just yell it out the window and we will get noise complaints. Anyways, let's get talking about this Norwegian. Not the Will Norwegian. The bear Norwegian. (laughs) How did I not make a gay bear joke? Come on. I don't know. I don't know. Come on. I don't know. 
I he's a bear. <laughs> he looks like one too. He's like really big and burly and has like a lot of beard and hair and there's like there yeah. So history fact <laughs> Bjorn Bjornstein is a bear. Yes. So Will tell us more about this bear that you know. <laughs> who is also very cool and very respected. <laughs> so Bjornstein of Jonsson was Norway's most or one of Norman's most famous and most renowned writers. Uh, he was born in 1832, and he died in 10. And all through his life, he did all these incredible things that I'm just super excited about. Do you know what I'm excited about? The fact that he wrote the Norwegian National Anthem. He did! And, as you've heard Will's voice at the beginning of the podcast with the song, which is also amazing. Also, just so you know, if you become a patron, you can get the full song. On our Patreon. It's Sweet. pretty cool. It's only for the patrons, though. For the rest of you, you guys just have to listen to it in the podcast. You can't just download it and keep it in your iPod and listen to it all the time. Which I get to do, and all the patrons get to do. But, Bjorn Bjornsson wrote the National Anthem, and to give us an example of a line from the National Anthem, we have a real Norwegian here. <laughs> a real Norwegian singer, who will sing a couple lines or notes, I don't know. So the Norwegian uh, national anthem written by Bjornstein Bjornsson is called the Javierski, which literally means yes we love. And yeah, and I'm not going to sing it. Please? We have a real Norwegian in in this space that is sort of like a recording studio, but actually our dining room. Our dining room is a recording studio. Javierski, dette landet som det stiger fra. No, that was great! There we go. You hit, like, such perfection that I don't Thank think you could you. ever top it. So, Not I guess we can wrap it up now. Could top it. Yeah, this is all we need, right? This is, this is it. Bye, this guys. all you need to know. Laters. <laughs> History's queerer than you think. Bye. Kidding. So... We're going to continue talking. So, Bjornstein Bjornsson wrote a whole bunch of cool shit, and... Can I say shit? He just did, so uh, I guess we're rolling with there. it. <laughs> and he even won a Nobel Prize of Literature in 1903, which is, like, super cool. He's one of three Norwegians to ever do that. Really? Yeah. But an entire number of three Norwegians have won a Nobel Prize of Literature. Which Are I you th- one of them? I'm not. I'm not. Is this the deal breaker? Yeah. Oh, shit. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but you did see a statue of one of them. Oh, which one? Uh, Okay, awesome. Also, on our Norwegian adventures, we took a couple of pictures of Bjornsson's face on different, like, historical monuments and cool crap like that. And I posted them on our Instagram, so you should really follow us on our Instagram because you should have seen my awesome commentary on it. I also posted it on my Snapchat, but you can't follow my personal Snapchat because that's personal for personal things. And it has my, like, location on it, which I still find creepy. Uh, so Bjornstein Bjornsson did a lot of cool things in his life, as we've already established. He, one of the most important things he ever did, in his own opinion at least, was fight for those who could not always fight for themselves. So this being the fight for women's rights, or this being the fight for the rights of queer people. Uh, he also went to one of the, he also went to one of the Baltic states, I believe. I don't have this on me right now, but he went to one of the Baltic states during some war to promote peace, and just stand up for those who he felt it was right to do. Stand up for. So he had a big part of, say, in the fight 
uh, or like in in queer activism and in queer politics in Norway. And well, to begin at the beginning, sorta, um, being queer in Norway wasn't exactly a cool thing. It was it was penalized as a crime, and any man with that had a sexual relationship with another man that or another person that society deemed as a man at the time would go to jail or. Uh, what's the what's the word for it when you have to do like la- when you have to do labor as manual labor and manual labor yeah. manual labor yeah so and while Norwegian jails now are super cool and we all know about how cool they are still not cool to put people in them for being gay and also they weren't like that at that time mm-hmm. I, they I've, did not have TVs I figured they were pretty shitty at the time yeah. uh, an interesting thing though is that sexual relations between women were not criminalized because it wasn't believed that women had a sexuality without men which is really gross but and that's not to say that queer women didn't suffer because there was a lot of societal societal things going on as well <laughs> so what Bjornsson did is he sort of gathered himself just all the queer friends he could he Same. had yeah I feel like that's what every queer person does is just like gather them around them and it makes sense to keep them because we group together and it's <laughs> really nice and even though Every single article I keep reading about Bjornsson and his, like, fight for homosexuality always disproves his him being queer in the end by saying, Oh, but men had different relationships at the time and they could tell each other that they loved each other from the bottom of their hearts without it being gay. And I'm like, okay, but it, it, it's also it's also gay. So, yeah. Uh, can you show some of the examples of things that he wrote? I can say that he, uh, one of his closest friends was the Danish literature critic Mm -hmm. called Friends. Quotation marks around that. Yes. For those people who, you know, cannot see us right now. (laughs) If you're not looking into our window with a microscope or no, telescope. Yes. If you're not looking into our window with a telescope, we'll use quotation marks around Friends. Yeah. Uh, His name was Clemens Petersen and he was very, he was very gay. And the two has like ch- exchanged a lot, a lot of letters after they met. And Bjornsson called Peterson, and I quote, his half life, whom he has adored and adore with all of my love. And Clemens Peterson writes back to Bjornsson, "When you touch me, I spark." And that's that's pretty gay. It is pretty. Gay. Well, actually, in this case, that's pretty bi. Yeah. What happened though was that um, when the Danish critics. Uh, sexuality was discovered by the public he was shunned and had to take refuge in the united states and bjornsson was the only or one of the few ones to actually remain loyal to clemens through all of this shit even loaned him money for the journey even uh, invited him to stay with him in norway and still supported him very visibly and very publicly which makes a lot of sense for who bjornsson was as a person mm-hmm. uh he also bjornsson also had a relationship with uh, um, a name some of y'all might know, Hans Christian Andersen. He was the man who wrote uh, The Little Mermaid and a whole bunch of other famous stories. The Little Mermaid, not the Disney version. The Little yeah. Mermaid where like she threw herself into the waves in despair because she decided that like she didn't want to ruin her love's life by sleeping with him. I don't know. It was Yeah, there was little... a lot going on. I never yeah. actually read the original. Really? I, I read a lot of his other writings, but never that one. So that's another person you can look at. We haven't looked at him yet, but maybe we will one day. He is a very interesting, interesting person. He, 
I think I heard a story about him getting a pretty harsh critique on one of his writings, mm-hmm. and then he spent like an hour bawling in the snow, face down. Relatable. Right. Uh, I, I, yeah, he's, he's pretty cool. As everyone knows, that's immediately what I do whenever I get the smallest criticism. That doesn't mean you shouldn't send us criticism, though. You should definitely still send us criticism. If you want to see me do that, definitely send us criticism. And if you don't want to see me do that, also send us criticism. Yeah, there we go. Just send us criticism. <laughs> send us criticism so we can improve and spend less time bawling face down in the snow for an hour. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so Hans Christian Andersen and Bjornsson were pretty close friends. Um, uh, Bjornsson wrote about uh, Hans Christian. Um, literally, I, and I quote... I, of course, fell incomparably in love with him, and I think it was mutual. How can that not be queer? How can someone read this and be like, oh no, it's just like because there were bros of bros and, and I think like, buds. Another thing that you need to analyze is that he knew these people were queer. Mm-hmm. Like, he was aware these people were queer. And in a very plain way, the excuse that many historians give is that they're like, oh, well, that's how men talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's not 100% true. That's how men talk to men they assume to be straight. Yeah. So that's an assumption of straightness. But if you're a queer person who's existed in the world, you know straight people, when they find out you're queer, talk a little different. And especially if you're attracted to the same gender and they happen to be of that gender you're attracted to, they start treating you a little bit different. They start using different words. And, you know. They start being like, hmm. And it's sketchy, and I'm pretty sure it was a bit more intense back then, even if he was the best ally in the world. Yeah. He would probably stop using words so, like, loving, and he would use different language just to make it very clear to people that he wasn't. Exactly. And I think that's probably the most interesting thing to pull away from Johnson and, like, his life, is that he was so unapologetic in all the ways he existed. And that is visible even in his queerness. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of people might argue he wasn't queer, but I still firmly believe that he he loved these men, these men with so much of his heart. Mm-hmm. And just to, honestly, just the fact that he kept gathering queer men around him, I'm like, that's a sign. That's a sign for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had uh, another. This one, I actually think they were just friends. Okay. Because uh, I don't think they uh, were. I don't think they ever had a relationship, but I, it's a very good friendship uh, where Bjornsson um, befriended this dude called Ivar Villa, who, uh, when when this guy died, Bjornsson was at his deathbed, and Ivar made him promise to tell his story. So a couple years later, or more than a couple, more than 20, more than, more than 40 years later, I think it should be. Uh, Bjornsson actually wrote the life story of Ivar Villa about how he fell in love with the man and took the fall for someone for his crimes and then went to, went to jail, went to um, manual, man, labor. manual labor, there we go, and then continued on leading a good life to help others and just be, be soft and game, very queer. And this is actually one of the first publications in Norway explicitly discussing someone's queerness because it wasn't really well looked upon to explicitly talk about someone being queer at the time and I haven't read the book yet but I really want to because it seems like just such a loving thing to do that when your friend dies you sit on his deathbed and you say hey I'll tell your story for everyone else 
-hmm. And then many, many years later, he did that and he kept that promise. And I, I can't say they weren't, uh, they weren't in a relationship. I can't say they weren't queer together, but I still think even then it's just such a symbolism of togetherness in the queer community because platonic love within the queer community is I'm not going to say that no person who's not queer has ever experienced it but I'm going to say that sometimes it goes a little deeper than we'd expect because you know think about it all those marriages between a woman and a man when both of them are queer and not attracted to each other the level of friendship that involves the level of platonic adoration that that you need to be married to someone just to protect them is huge and the level of love and deep deep caring you have to have for a person to for 40 years work on a book to write for them to keep a promise that you made on their deathbed that's huge exactly like as someone who's been writing a book for like a year i'm 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 tired (laughs) i'm a tired person And, like, I work on writing all the time, and writing something for 40 years is an intense level of commitment. And that's an amazing thing to do, whether that's a platonic love or a romantic love. Either way, it's a bit of a love letter to the person you're writing the book for. And I also like to think of it as a love letter to the queer community. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it's it's all about coming together, it's all about being there for each other and taking care of each other. And I really like what that signifies. Exactly. And beyond that, Bjorn Bjornsson was like connected to the queer community in a way that not many straight people would be able to be. Mm-hmm. And in that he was connected to, as we spoiled a little bit earlier, yes. one of my favorite people that I've ever written about, Magnus, Magnus Hirschfeld. Yes. Who uh, wrote him a letter in 1901 asking for help in the fight against uh, Bill... Shoot. Uh, just uh, to decriminalize homosexuality in Germany. Yeah. I, I don't remember the bill itself, uh, but the bill was pretty much just like putting in laws against... It's queer. paragraph something. Yes. So Magnus Hirschfeld sent uh, Bjornsson a letter and he was like, hey, uh, so they're trying to make this law in Germany and they're trying to make it even more illegal for queer people to be queer. So what do you think of that? And Bjornsson was like, yes, I do do not like that at all. Let me support you with everything that I have. I have been for this opinion for more than 20 years and I will fight anyone. That's pretty much what he said. Yeah. We'll be paraphrasing, but you know. Would you say that he was like ready to fight like a bear? Yes. He would fight 20 bears. He'd fight 20 bears? One star. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Uh, But yeah, uh, Bjornsson also... Uh, did pretty much the same thing in Norway about 10 years earlier uh, after there had been a law put in place at, um, criminalizing the act of being queer in Norway as well um, in what's in 1889 and then there was that law being put in place even stronger even firmer and then three years later Bjornsson was like oh hey I really regret not talking about this three years ago but here's my opinion on it and he discussed a lot around something that isn't the best opinion to be of today. Uh, but at the time, it was pretty revolutionary that being gay and being queer was a disease based on, uh, in the DNA. And while that sounds pretty harsh right now, what it was saying is that it wasn't a choice. Exactly. It was the first iteration of the idea that 
being gay isn't a choice. And you know, now that's a bit more of a controversial thing to say, but then it was saying, hey, how can you criminalize a person in how they exist Mm -hmm. and how they were born to exist? Exactly. And it was used to argue that, you know, you can't exactly punish someone for just what is in their DNA. And it was used in that vein for a very long time until eventually people were able to move past it and be like, okay, it's legal. Also, you shouldn't be mad about it anyways because it hurts no one. And also it's super great. Exactly. So yeah, it was, that was a, it's, it was a step in, on the path legalizing being queer. Mm -hmm. And while if you, if you're of this opinion today, I probably wouldn't be friends with you. But at the time, it was really radical, and it was really helping the situation to have this opinion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he wrote an article, a couple of essays. He called for the criminal law to be removed. Uh, it didn't. It wasn't removed until way later in 1972. That's when homosexuality was legalized. But that's another thing. So oh yeah, I should probably also talk about Bjornsson's wife. Oh yeah, Bjornsson's wife, Caroline Reimers? Yes. Caroline's Reimers. So another way of say, like of straight historians telling us that he was straight is pointing out that he had a wife. And he also had multiple affairs with other he women, like Magda so and a couple other ones. Yeah, most of them were pretty famous because he was like a... He was also very famous and he was very well known in Norway. So he slept with a lot of famous people. Mm-hmm. And that's proof within our discussion if we accept that you know he had attraction to other men he also had attraction to other women because he had extramarital affairs he could have just been with his wife then it would have been like oh eh, then he was probably gay but since he had extramarital affairs that means that he was probably more likely biromantic or bisexual or possibly pansexual some multi-sexuality mm-hmm. somewhere on the multi-spectrum definitely and i have a couple of stories i'm not sure if i should tell them i'm ready to listen okay I'm here for it. You can cut them out if you don't want them in. Go. Tell uh, us about your problematic faith. Because <laughs> he's such a problematic faith. Mm-hmm. So his wife knew that he was sleeping with all of these. His wife knew that they existed. And at some point he was going to Paris for some for something. And she was staying back at home in Norway. And before he left, mm-hmm. uh, she said to him, Oh yeah, if you sleep with someone else while you're away, I will jump off the balcony. Harsh. And yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty harsh, pretty intense. And so uh, Bjornsson goes away, and he's away for I don't know maybe a couple of weeks. I don't know how long. Yeah, probably longer because like I feel like travel time and everything combined would have taken some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he comes back and he steps out of the carriage, and the first thing he shouts to his wife is "Jump, Caroline, jump!" Ooh. Right. Ooh. It's ooh, that's a lot. But, um, so problematic fave. Yeah, definitely problematic fave. The, the good thing, I guess, is that his wife was pretty much deaf at this point, so she couldn't hear him. Problematic fave. He's such a problematic fave, but um, I'm glad that I at least know it. Yeah. Um, a lot of critics that say that this story isn't true, but I don't know, in my heart, I, I think it is. I think that was exactly the kind of dick thing he... There's also a story <coughs> in which he ran naked through the streets of Lillehammer because he lost a bet or he got really drunk and then lost a bet and then he ran naked through the streets. Who hasn't gone through that? Yeah. Every once in a while it happens, you know? You want their life. <laughs> Life's you, life. You get drunk, you lose a bet and you just run naked through the streets. Hate when that happens. 
You won that now. In the history book, it's going to say that I did that too. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to write it down. Uh-huh. You're going to be the one who places a bet. Hey, so. hey, Laura, I bet that you, you can't run through the streets naked. That's, that's clearly not what the bet means. <laughs> it means that you have to bet me that, like, I can't do 13 jumping jacks or something, which I can, by the way. How so about that I bet. bet you can't do 13 shots of tequila? I can totally do that. Oh, yeah, I believe in you. But but at that point, you'll probably be as so drunk as to actually, like, do it anyways. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, I won, but let's do this. <laughs> okay, how about this? How about this? Here's the bet. Mm-hmm. Here's the bet. I will run naked through some streets. Not this R street, because R street has a school on it, so. And also a snake nope. lady. Also the snake lady. Okay, side note in our history, <laughs> we have across from our thing, I, this is, this Across from our apartment building, we have a fence. Like, there's a fence over, like, our neighbor's yard. And on it is a picture of Heidi Klum, naked, pregnant, and holding a chopped-in-half snake. This is not a lie. We could not make this up. I I wish I was making this up. But no, we have to- I have to wake up to that every day. I have to crop it out of my pictures. (laughs) Like, I take a pretty picture of the sunset out of the window, and I'm like, okay, crop out the snake lady. That's how we tell people where we live. We're like, oh, we're right by the snake lady. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, that one. I saw that when I was stoned and going home once and I thought it was a hallucination. But thank you for confirming it was real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The terrifying reality. But the bet. Bet. Okay. Okay. I'll run naked through one street of, I have not decided yet, (laughs) just not ours. If, if in the next 10 years, I don't get to talk to Lin-Manuel Miranda and have tea with him, for the people who've watched the previous episodes, you should all know that not only do I love Lynn manuel Miranda, but I also want to scold him for making bad decisions sometimes. So, if I don't talk to Lynn manuel Miranda about his bad decisions in the next five to ten years... Just say ten years. Ten years. In the next ten years, I will run naked through the street. I'm going to make this happen. And for all of you guys... Please help me get in contact with Lin-Manuel Miranda so I can talk to him. Yes. And gently scold him about Tematoa and how he based it off of David Bowie, which is gross and queer coding. Watch the first episode of the reboot of the podcast. You'll understand why I want to talk to him. Anyways, please add him so I don't actually have to do this. And I so I don't have to have that in the history book about me. Laura ran naked through the streets. Because Lin-Manuel Miranda wouldn't at them. (laughs) That seems like something I would do, and that makes sense that it would be in there. But again, please, I will get me if and if this is Lin Manuel's agent listening to this, Lin or or Lin Manuel himself. Obviously, Lin Manuel. If you're listening to this, if you hear this, send us an email. Yeah, we will arrange for you and Laura to sit down and have tea and talk talk about your bad decisions, so they don't have to run naked through the streets in ten years. And also, Lin-Manuel, I also want to talk to you about how cool you are, because I'm also very impressed by how you exist, and you're really cool. <laughs> and we do love you a lot. We do love you a lot. But you guys can all keep this updated. If we're doing the podcast in 10 years, which ideally we will be, please remind us on the exact anniversary of this, which is the 30th of October, 2017. So, the 30th of October, 2027. 2027. <laughs> Come back to us and be like, hey! You promised. You made a bet. Have you talked to Lin-Manuel Miranda yet? And I'll either say yes or no. 
one way I run naked through the street. The other way I've succeeded anyways because yes. I've talked to Lynn Manuel Miranda. Exactly. So, that's the only thing you've earned. Like, that's the highest achievement. Exactly. Those are the two things I need to do. So you you have to do one or the other. Yeah. Shit. Was that a... Do I have to do the other? <laughs> no. Wait. What do you get if I win? Yeah, you have to do it. Oh, Okay. All right. Stop swearing. You're such a potty mouth. I'm sorry. I don't even know what that means. It means you're like your mouth is a, a toilet. <laughs> On today's episode of Will Learning English Idioms or whatever that was. My mouth is a toilet. Your mouth is a toilet. Because you say bad words. <laughs> that makes like toilets work the way that bad like things go into it. it doesn't yeah. Except you're like, I guess that like a bidet would be a better. I don't even know what that means. A bidet is the one where like they spray the water up to clean your butt. <laughs> yes. So I guess bidet mouth. <laughs> Will the bidet mouth continue on our story so we can tell these people about history and not make these terrible jokes? <laughs> I am so sorry. I'm gonna slip at least three more bear puns in this episode. I believe in you. Um. That would I feel like that would I I have to admit that might make it a little bit unbearable. Oh, thank you. All right, bear with me. All of the people who are listening to this, try and find all the bear puns that I make and send me a count off, so and, I know exactly how many I made. And try to find and find your own bear puns and send them to us. Exactly, both. So we can use them in later bear-related episodes. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, so. Our conclusion so far is that history is flawed in the way that it saves. It tends to save on the heterosexual narratives and throw away the queer ones, despite all the proof that exists. Uh, history is always trying to find ways to twist things around so that everyone's straight. Look at Sappho. Look at all that effort that got put into making Sappho straight. We also have both a podcast episode and an article about Sappho. You can also do some research outside of that. There's some amazing articles out there because Sappho is one of the ones that's covered more. But Will's 100% right. Yes. Straightness is always going to be the thing they lead towards. It's like um, straight until proven otherwise Mm -hmm. instead of vague until proven otherwise. Which also annoys me about coming out narratives, but I will (laughs) not rant about that now. Exactly. But like at the same time, what it comes from is straight until proven guilty to be honest guilty of being queer it assumes straight as a normal and it also assumes straightness as innocence exactly and even even though there exists proof they're still gonna try to like people are still gonna not listen Mm -hmm. people are still gonna say oh well that was just how men talked back in the days like bros and let bros be bros (laughs) no yes but at the same time it's always gonna be the same thing it's gonna be people who not only want straightness to be the default, but want queerness to not exist in their favorite historical figures. They don't want to recognize queerness because it's beyond just like straightness until proven otherwise. Even when there's proof otherwise, they still try to either erase the proof or say that the proof is too wiggly to believe. It's it's mm-hmm. not clear enough. And the problem with having very clear proof of queerness, clear queerness, as I like to call it, is the whole existence of queer people in so many cultures and in so many times was hidden not only by history and and straight historians who were discriminatory 
but also by the people themselves because they could go to jail. Exactly. Like if Bjorn Bjornsson had very clear queerness and explicitly told people, hey, I'm a bisexual guy who sleeps with men sometimes or, you know, has romantic encounters with men sometimes, he would have been put in jail and he would have to do manual labor. So it makes sense that he was on the down low about it. So it not only doesn't make sense, but it also doesn't make sense. Exactly. So that's what I feel like it's important to take away from this story that queerness will always exist even if it's silenced and even if it's removed from by both the people themselves and everyone who comes after them. No matter what happens afterwards, it it existed. And it's clearly there when you look closely at it with, especially from coming from the eye of a queer person, I'm like, oh yes, my historical fave was queer. And anyone else can say what they want, but I know this. And it's beyond that because queer people know a little bit more about queerness than straight historians will. Exactly. They know that there are signs of beyond they slept with that person. Like the fact they had a lot of queer friends and they had queer friends who were very in-depth in the queer community is a sign. And queer people are more aware of how queerness exists in someone who's trying to hide it. And one of the things that I took away from this is how queer people find community no matter what time. Because this man had friends. He had so many queer friends and he just got to hang out and be queer and sweet and be a bear and... It's lovely, and it's nice to see that it's not always the unhappy stories we have to tell. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just of a person who was pretty cool, who a got to, a little bit of a dick sometimes. But just because he's a bad person doesn't mean he isn't worthy of basic human decency, mm-hmm. and doesn't mean he's not worthy of being remembered as a part of our community. Exactly. And especially... Considering he's one of the most influential people in Norwegian history. And he's one of the first famous Norwegians to learn about in school. In Norwegian school, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in everyone else's schools, I, have, I, I don't I've know. I've never heard about him. Yeah, yet. that's completely fair. But, and the fact that this is so rarely talked about. I found two articles of all of this information that exists about him. I found two articles discussing his possible queerness, question mark. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think... That sort of sucks. Because I feel like there are so many voices that have been silenced this way. Because it is not deemed important or it's deemed unfit or it's... Sometimes it's deemed even dishonoring the dead. Exactly. It's like, why would you say that about a dead person? You're dishonoring their memory. When Mm -hmm. in reality, you're just talking about them. Yeah, and you're just discussing this aspect of them that probably was like... And if you're saying that talking about their queerness is dishonoring them, then you think that queerness is dishonorable. You think that it's a bad aspect of a person and it just shows that your discrimination lies beneath. And yeah, that's the story of Bjornsson of Bjornsson and he died in, let's see, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. I wish I knew this thing. He died in 1910. At the age of? At the age of 77. Alright, so he didn't die young, but he didn't die old either. He, no, he was, I'm not sure where he died, but I think he he had a pretty happy life. He was married to his wife all until his death. And yeah, I, from what I know of him and his existence, he had a good life. Mm-hmm. He did all the things he wanted to do. He, he fought for the peoples he wanted to fight for. He existed with a, such an energy and such a spark in him. And I think I read somewhere that everyone who met him couldn't help but fall a little bit in love. That's lovely. So that was my boy. That was your boy. All right. So, this bear boy. This bear boy. 
So if you want to read more about him, you can definitely check out the article on our website and you should do some research for yourself. Maybe find some stuff that we didn't know about and send it in. We'd love to hear about it. And we definitely love any like sources that you have. And just a reminder of all of our social medias, we are on Patreon, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, Redbubble. And we also have a website where you can find all those social medias at www.makingcareerhistory.com. You can just look through, look through all of our articles, and you can also become a guest author, listen to our podcasts, or go through our social media because we have that. And we also have a store on Redbubble. So you can mm-hmm. go through all of our merchandise and buy a whole bunch of stuff so you can have your queer figures on your clothing. A lot of it's so cool. I want all of them. Right. And we have a lot of stuff from our amazing editor, Dean Strauss, and yeah. a lot of artwork from them that means that you can get the face of one of your favorite queer people on a sticker or on a notebook. Exactly, which is always cool. I get a lot of stickers from Redbubble, to be honest, because it's like, it's so cheap. And it means that I can have artwork for really cheap. And I can also just like put it everywhere. So I can be surrounded by artwork, which I guess I already am because I'm marrying Will and they live with me. So I'm surrounded by artwork anyways. Yeah. Anyways. So this is us signing off. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I was just going to jump off of uh, the thing about the guest articles. Mm -hmm. Because this was literally research that I did for like over two, two days. And I wrote an article and Laura accepted it. And do some research on your own. Find a, find a historical person from your country. Do some research. Send in a guest article. And share some knowledge that no one else has. Exactly. And definitely, it's so exciting to get stories from someone's home country. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much more connection there. And it also means that we get a story about a country that we might not have heard about otherwise. Because there's so much that, like, is oral history. And there's so much that, you know, is, like, specific to the region. So I'd love to hear some regional queer stories in the next couple of weeks. So if you have one of those, definitely email it in at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. And remember, history is queer than you think. We have always existed and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen into our own hands We live and we breathe and we keep creating Taking a stand History is queerer than you Thank you.
today, tomorrow we have been and will always be absolutely revelatory.